HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. It is a blazingly hot day here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, New York City. Um, I can think of no other way to beat the heat than have a nice uh, frosty beverage in the studio with some AC. We're looking about 72 in here instead of 98 out there. And really happy to have a couple of people who I actually just met today. Um, probably, we probably passed each other like somewhere along the line but i i don't i think this is actually our first time to hang out um i do remember seeing your website quite a while ago and i've always been a fan of the 12 bottle bar uh i think it's such a cool concept uh and it's great that you have the book out so welcome to the show david and leslie Salmonson. thanks for having us thank man. you for having us it's good to be here absolutely absolutely um so the book just dropped about what a month or so? No, it actually oh. comes out officially on the 29th. So. Oh, well, you you first emailed me about a month or so. Ago. Yeah, so it's so I get I have, I have a pre- you won the first pre-press? one. So nice. so it was down at Tails. We sold it there. It was I think the first place, and then uh, wherever we a couple places we've been signing books. So we just in Boston. So this heat is nothing to you because Tails. No, is no, yeah. it was 100 percent humidity. But, but the good thing sticky. is, but the good thing is, you sweat out everything that you drink, so you just keep drinking. I would say, drink tons of water and never finish a drink. Exactly. Like, never finish a cocktail. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, like in those situations, Manhattan Cocktail Classic, Portland <laughs> Cocktail Week tells the cocktail yeah. never. Yeah. yeah, as much as you might like that cocktail, and I'm sure there are tons out there that are super tasty. You never, never finish one. You, you can always go back, one. right? You can always <laughs> go back. Yeah. So you guys uh, had this book coming out. Um, it's actually it's a beautiful book. Oh, thank you. I, thank I, you. I, I love it. It's Thanks like, to folks at Workman. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's uh, I. I, my background is in graphic design, so oh. uh, before I got into bars, um, and I'm, it was the best decision I ever made <laughs> to get into the bar. No, they did a nice job. Like, I mean, nice. in the age of the you know the glossy fifty recipe, full color, yeah. William Sonoma looking cocktail book, every book looks like that. We look a little bit different, yeah. which I like. But so. it also captured, I think, a little bit more of our vibe, a little more of our style, yeah. more streamlined, simple. So, so okay, let's let's get into 
first of all, it started with the website, the like blog, really. Yeah, right? in 2009 we came out. So, so five so, years this year. Yeah, so tell me what inspired this. Was it like a, a home bar kind of thing, or like what? No, so so we were foodies for a long time. We would travel and you know go to all, all the big restaurants that you could probably think of, and the economy hit, and it was just we had to downsize. We had to. Um, kind of you know watch our budget if you will we loved the craft cocktail scene was sort of hitting at that point too um david meyer who was a chef in los angeles had come back to to new york here and then we met him in los angeles again and he was the kind of guy who even when it was busy in his very popular la restaurant would sneak out of the kitchen and say oh, you gotta try this i gotta make you something so he came out one night and we're sitting at the bar and he's like you gotta try this drink i gotta make you for it and he, he puts in some ginger syrup and some uh some honey syrup and a little uh, light scotch and floats a little peaty scotch on top as you goes, do right he goes i met this dude called sam ross yeah. I was <laughs> and he made this drink right. yeah and um and no one in la knew who sam was at that point no one knew anything about Really about cocktail culture in LA at all. You know, we're very, we're very much a microcosm out there. We're seasonal. We're lo- locally sourced. And we just kind of do what we do, and we're always a little bit behind the curve because we're mellow. <laughs> you just don't need to race to it. I kind of, I kind of disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, not now. I think not now. Yeah, no, no. I, no but but I back think, then, I think that the, the West Coast they definitely have. There's definitely like an East Coast West Coast like gangster rap kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah. it's like it, 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 at least. The bar world is very like loving and like uh, and supportive. So it's, oh, it wasn't like not a, a, not at thing. all. I mean, it just it didn't have the same uh, until Sam came out, which is what yeah. what David did. Is he said, "I'm bringing Sam out. I'm having him create a cocktail program for us." And that's when Comsa opened and they opened the eight DNA program. And pretty much every bartender in Los Angeles went through those doors. Julian Cox, Marcos Tello, mm-hmm. all those guys. So. Uh, that was like the the little beacon that went on, and of course you had Eric Alpern out Alpern, here too yeah. at the same time. So there was this little you know balancing act going on, and then it exploded. So, um, yep. so for us, it was really about how do we do that at home? We couldn't afford to go out every single night. You know, back then a cocktail was ten, twelve bucks. Now it's pushing twenty two. Yeah, it's 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 I I totally understand. Yeah. Like the uh, going out every night is it's it's fun, but yeah, it can be costly. But yeah. you know, Le- Leslie's in in the business, so she you know she as a journalist, she's out. I, I've got a day job. I often work you know a nice twelve hour shift. I come home, I put ki- uh, the kiddo to bed. She goes out and you know does what she needs to do, and it it's just that practicality. You want to unwind, and then the really the key impetus was sort of the frustration. And as much as we love craft cocktails there's only so many 70 dollar esoteric bottles of spirits or, or liqueur you can go out and buy just to make one recipe with a quarter teaspoon yeah and so it was that that level of practicality for the home bartender and i saw this real divide between what was going on it in, in the craft cocktail movement and, and of course especially back then around 2009 it was consume 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 we want we want to make more spirits we want to you know consume every heritage uh, recipe we've forgotten let's make swedish punch um, but for the home bartender when i'd go to friends it's how friends house they weren't as interested in that so i'm like how can i fill this how can i bridge this chasm and how can we bridge this chasm together and so that's kind of the impetus for the 12 bottle bar huge sense of mystery for the average person as to what goes into a cocktail and and there is no mystery to it you just have to kind of jump that hurdle now of course if you've got 15 different ingredients that's another story that takes enormous you know balletic choreography but for a home a home bartender once they get past the fear factor you can do it as long as you can pour and you can shake and you can stir. And we do that when we cook. So, yeah, I think, well, I was just thinking about that when just now, when you were talking about this, like it's kind of, uh, you know, when you come across a dish that you really, really love and it can be super simple. Like I might pick up an idea from the salt lick barbecue in Austin, Texas or Driftwood, Texas. 
and then bring it back home and then share that with friends. And, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I learned this, this like, kind of, like, barbecue hack from, uh, you know, like, life hack from, from my buddy Damon. He learned it from this person, you know. So I remember my mom, like, grew up in a really small town in Oklahoma. She would, I always thought it was kind of weird. But later in life, I realized, like, oh, no, this is, this is important. You know, she would, she would pick up, like, a cake recipe or, like, you know, you know, something from, like, somebody else in my hometown. And I'm like, huh, she's got this on an index card. She got this from someone else who clearly, like, worked on it for a little bit, tweaked it. Same thing with cocktails. We do the same thing. And I think the community, uh, the cocktail world, not just for, like, the industry, but for, for, for the home uh, use and the home bartender, I think it, those kinds of things, you have a story that goes along with it, too. You know, you've got, like, oh, man, I went over to, I went over to David and Leslie's house, and they made me a daiquiri, like an actual daiquiri. I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. It's just rum and lime and sugar. It couldn't be any simpler. That's a typical so, party at our house. Yeah. That is what our friends end up saying almost every time. And we say, see? It's you can do simple. this. It's that simple. You can do this. Don't be scared. Yeah. And stop using whipped cream vodka. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe put that somewhere uh, to, else. To decide. Yeah. That's, that's for a different dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a key party. <laughs> I think so. That'll be the next trend. Yeah. yeah that's the next time you guys come on the radio show. Um, a good bar, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, Maybe. <laughs> Define good. <laughs> no, I, I think, but I, like, you know, it's, it's cool because, like, this, uh, this actually inspired um, an article that I was part of, uh, well, an article that I co-wrote for uh, Business Week, and I, I quoted you guys really? from wow. your website. When was that? Uh, I never saw that. This was like three or four years ago. Wow. Cool. That, um, <laughs> they came to me and they were like, hey, Damon, what are the three essential bottles that you need in your bar? And I was like, and, and, like, and can you give us six cocktails that you can make with these three ingredients? You know, granted, like, maybe there's some... You've got some fresh uh, citrus around. Right. Bitters, you know, yeah. like those kinds of things. And they were like, can you give us six cocktails with these three bottles? And they were like, holy shit. You gave us over 20. Yeah. I think so, I, I mean, now, it, now it, you mentioned I do think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, if, if you're talking sours, right? Where, where do we start? Where, and where do you end? Yeah. yeah. People are like, wait, all I need is a spirit, some citrus, and some sugar? Yeah. And then you start listening for them. Their eyes go wide. And you go, And, and not even citrus. You just need sour. Yeah. You need tamarind. You need, yeah. you know, what, Anything whatever Anything that works. Citric acid. I mean, they'll all work. Citric acid, lactic acid, like any kind of thing. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, you know, even like, okay, I, I've, I've always threatened to just twist off and go and like drop off the grid and hide out in the woods and like make this gigantic flow chart. The reason why I haven't done it yet because it's a huge, huge, uh, huge project. Is this but, your you Walden know. Pond or something? Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> Producing infographics from the, yeah. the forest. From the forest. Yeah. So like, here's here's my flow chart. Um, here's a, a, a gimlet. Here's a gin gimlet. But if I move over here and turn into rum, now it's a daiquiri. It's got a completely different name. Yeah. Let's keep it a gin gimlet. But I put some Angostura bitters in it. Now it's called a Bennett cocktail. You know, like, they're so close. Yeah. So many cocktails, so many classic cocktails. Uh, a 50-50 and an Astoria. They're the same fucking cocktail, man. Yeah. <laughs> Except one has an orange twist right. and the other one has a lemon twist. Or, or you, you go off, like, half an ounce or a quarter of an ounce. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. 
I want this to name a cocktail. Yeah. That actually was one of the challenges See? for us in putting the, the book together is we really wanted to, I, I hope people find the drinks well curated. You know, it's a combination of, you know, there's probably 10, 15% of the things that we came up with because it's our book, so we're, we're allowed to, right? Um, yeah. A lot of the others. You have to. Yeah, exactly. It's classic stuff. And then we reached out to, you know, everybody under the sun from um, the DeGroffs and the, the Gazrigans and, and whatnot to up-and-coming bartenders that we were fans of to add stuff to this. And then it's just that curation to make sure that you aren't, every drink isn't a quarter of an ounce different than the last one. So And, and we were tweaking classics, too. I mean, there would be a classic, the, the Brown Derby is a good example of that, where we played with it, we tasted it, and we're like, this doesn't taste right. And then it hit us, grapefruit wasn't the same back then. No, Things change. Yeah, exactly. So we had to really start. I mean, it's rocket science. It's not, of course. You just have to play with the citrus. And when we hit it, we're like, yeah. that's that's where it is. I always add so. a little lemon juice to mine. We add lime. We do pomelo and lime. That makes, so. that makes all yeah. kinds of sense. That makes all kinds of yeah. sense. And it, but it's <laughs> lovely. And, and it depends on the honey, too, right? Absolutely. You know? No orange honey. It's just... Poof. I, I did a training seminar. It was one of the first things I did when I moved to New York City. I did a train, training seminar for the bar that I was working at at the time based on sweeteners. Huh? I'm like, let's go through... All these different sugars, the different agaves, yeah, uh, different honeys, like they are all different. Mm-hmm. Like, Demerara, turbinado, turbinado, black yeah. sugar, like Japanese black mm-hmm. sugars. Like, is this is it cane syrup right. or is it actual like uh, is it sugar? You yeah. know, like it's it really it it all changes. And you're you're absolutely right. You know, think about like what just happened to us uh, a few months back with the Lyme crisis. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, have you seen the really ridiculous? bartender tattoos like. <laughs> I survived the Lyme crisis yeah, yeah. 2014 yeah. never forget we, 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 had, we had an LA bartender who, who made up an entire menu without limes it was like yeah. his big statement you know his, his, his and it was pretty clever I mean there are plenty of drinks you can do it with and if you're dealing with a bottom line and you're a high volume bar yeah you know you're not going to go out and buy limes by the bushel it just doesn't make sense I mean, it's it, you're absolutely right, and you know, like, but thinking even like before the the shortage of limes and after, I'd like to see what like the, where the sourcing of the limes comes from, and like what the the flavor difference is. Mm-hmm. You know, like every time that we open the bar, we taste the juice that we have that's been juiced fresh that day, mm-hmm. and then we taste what what's kind of left over from last night, just to see. You know, mm-hmm. like is it oxidized right. or is it still okay? Like, we, what do you find usually? It? I mean, I like to do it fresh. Yeah, but I mean, of course. Also, let's talk about this. I mean, like, uh, did you did you use like an electric juicer, right? Where you're just pulling the juice out of the shell, or did you use like a like Rashan, like where you press it and then you're actually getting the oils from the shell right. as well? We use and, a hand and, juicer at yeah, home exactly. because a home bartender's got doesn't. So you're always getting a bit of that bitter it. oil, and it, it's yeah. funny that we, we got in a little. Uh, <laughs> We didn't. I, I didn't respond to a little <laughs> tiff on our mojito because we crushed the. We, we lightly muddle lime wedges, and somebody's like, "No, no, no, never do that." It's like, well, see, in Cuba they're using angostura in their mojitos because they want the bitter. Tried it, don't really care for the angostura personally, but if we get enough bitter out of those those peels, you know, yeah. and if it cloudies for, for it a little us. bit. It's a beach drink. It's like, yeah. you know, I, I don't yeah. want to, it's, it's not a gimlet or something. Also, that it's so clear. subjective. Too. It is. Yeah. We don't want to be precious, right? Yeah. I mean, and taste is, it is subjective. That's the whole thing about cocktails. And we make the point again and again, drink what you like. Because I may like gin, you may like rye, he may like brandy, whatever it is. And if you're lucky, you like all of them. But not everybody does. Yeah. So, and, and not everybody's going to like every, every drink because of your memories and your prejudices and all these things that go into it. Well, we were talking about this the other night with, you know, uh, Tomas Estes? Uh-huh. Yeah. We, were talk- we were hanging out with him down at Tails, and we were talking about 
how we could make a drink. Let's say any of you, you're, you're the bartender here. You make a drink and you say, this is the drink that won greatest drink ever made in the universe. And your technique is flawless and your ingredients are flawless and you could give it to five people and three of them might go, eh, not for me. It's good, but it's not for me. And we were talking about the way that cocktails deliver to the soft palate much more, much in a different way than food does. And I think because of that, you t- we tend to taste the... Uh, the flavors to a much greater degree so that means the nuance is that you know, there could be a two degree nuance that puts you off that i love yeah right. i think well but also isn't part of like isn't part of like this book and the 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 people that get this book and they at, at home you know and they're they're entertaining guests isn't that also part of it though because like, it's because yeah it tastes it tastes is totally subjective right. but if you make a drink I feel like cocktails come with a story. They right. come with an experience. Absolutely. And, and so to to me, it's like some of my favorite bartenders in the world don't know a cocktail from their left leg, you know? Like they, they but they're amazing bartenders yeah. working at some of the crappiest dive bars mm-hmm. and whatever drink that they pour for me, it's gonna taste better because they have entertained and they've been mm-hmm. a gracious host. Absolutely. And I think that's part of what this book... I think that's part of what like the 12-bottle bar in general is really... Uh, it's kind of like the backbone of that to me. Well, well, certainly I think it's, it's not just for home bartending. I think it's for bartenders well, everywhere. We, we are hoping, actually, in some ways, I don't think we realized that that was something that was starting to happen. Um, was the, the idea that, you know, we're moving into a simpler time. We went through the age of sort of overexpression and over overly ingredientizing yeah. our cocktails, right? Well, like fifteen. You guys are from the West Coast. Well, yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> you guys do that, but but we do. You know, we throw everything in there, and I think everybody's stepping back now and saying, "Wow, simple really does work." Just like with yeah. food, we don't need ten ingredients; three can do the trick. Absolutely. And and so we're noticing we're getting that response from bartenders saying, "Oh, we get that." We're, you're, you're saying simpler can be better because you have to push the envelope then. You got to push yourself yeah. well, and to create more. There's, there's, you can't hide behind anything. No, nothing. There's there's no guy, guys there yeah. to, to get it through. And it's it's a hard balance for us because we are nerds. I mean, we are certainly you know <laughs> we, we have Punch Romaine in here, and you know it's it's like a Scofier's. Oh, Scofier's! I did yeah. that. Yeah. We had a Titanic dinner at yeah. Primeese, and it's and it's my favorite. It's my desert island pick because if you do it right, it is like the most glorious Cadillac Margarita type drink you've ever had in your life. Um, it's. Uh, so it's a challenge because we, you want the, we wanted the book to be accessible, so we tried not to go too deep down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I, I just turned to the daiquiri. Like, yeah, speaking of, and we really want people to not be afraid of anything they find in the book because to me, you know, we go to a lot of friends' parties. You know, there's a lot of light beer and coolers, but it's a very different experience of somebody going, "Hey, you want to drink?" It's out in the back uh, by the pool versus somebody taking the time to make that daiquiri mm-hmm. and saying. Yeah, you know, I got this daiquiri. I went to, to Damon's bar, and he made me this daiquiri, and he took two seconds to show me how to do it. You know, while he made it, I brought it yeah. home, and wow! Now I am bartender with a it. one drink rest- right. repertoire, and quite frankly, the that's where I think we started. The last word. It's equal parts, man. Yeah. Right. Equal parts. Right. Anyone can do it. You can free pour it. Yeah. It's delicious. Well, that's why I order a lot of Negronis at bars because yeah. anyway, I, I go to. We have an office, uh, the company I work for, in uh, Kalispell, Montana, and I stay at the Hilton when I go there, and I go into the bar, and I always order a Negroni because I know they have the parts, and I know they're not going to mess yeah. it up. And you, you were talking about story too. You, you know, you'll notice if you, you look in the book, every cocktail tells a story before it. So before people start drinking this drink, I mean, they may just want to make the daiquiri because it's delicious, it's mm-hmm. rum, they like that, but. 
it tells you something, and we're hoping is you know that it's experiential, that there's a little bit extra that comes to it, whether it's a quirky story or it's just something historical. Whatever yeah. it is, it gives it a little weight, so you're not just drinking a drink; you're drinking an experience. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I always tell my bartenders all the time. It's like we're not, you know, man. The last thing you should think about as a bartender is is making the drink. Mm-hmm. Give give them a story, yeah. like. People, people want to hear that. And your guests at your home want to hear that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I'd like to talk about it. Because like, I'm, I'm on the, the uh, page 216 here, uh, uh, the daiquiri, and, uh, which we've talked about quite a bit. But you know what? I, I could talk about the daiquiri forever. Absolutely. But I, I like the fact that you have variations on these mm-hmm. drinks at the bottom of the page, which is great. Because then, you know what? You like that? Let's try this. Customize, man. Yeah, absolutely. Customize everything. Take a quick break. We'll be right back with David and Leslie Sullivan. Whiskey is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. If you drink the whiskey that warmed General Washington's troops at Valley Forge, does that make you a patriot? Not necessarily, but it indicates that you appreciate that Michter sets the standard for highest quality, limited production whiskeys. America's first whiskey distilling company, Michter's rich history dates back to 1753, when a farmer in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, distilled his first batch of whiskey from Hardy Rye. At one point, a master distiller left his family's well-known distillery to join Michter's so he could be at a smaller, less cost-conscious company where he could make the finest whiskey, cost be damned. Ask your bartender or retailer for Michter's whiskey today. Chatham Imports is the national sales agent for Michter's Distillery. For more information, please visit www.michters.com. That's www.m-i-c-h-t-e-r-s.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy. Um, in the studio today, I'm really psyched to be uh, chatting with uh, my buddies David and Leslie Solomonson. Well, I'm going to call them buddies now. We just met, Thank but you. we're buddies. Excellent. We're buddies. <laughs> you ride, you're good with me. So. Cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, one of the coolest things to me about like this your website and now that this book is coming out is, like, like we were talking about before the, the break, it's just... Hosting friends and entertaining guests and and making them feel welcome and like giving them that story. So, how many times have you found yourself in a really ridiculous rabbit hole of a story talking about just we talked about the last word right before the break talking about what chartreuse is? You know, as personally, yeah. Oh, <laughs> frequently. Well, we're we're the cocktail nerds among all of our other friends, so. Yeah. To, to a fault. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I've given a lot of people or recommended a lot of people buy the, that Shackleton whiskey that came out. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't come without a 20-minute story, first of who Shackleton is sure. and, you know, and, the, and yeah. the whole um, the whole uh, Endeavor expedition and uh, the Nimrod expedition before that and how the whiskey was made for one and they changed the name of the boat. So, yeah, we, we go down those. You know, w- you know, it, there's way too much context, and I've actually, I think if you look at some of our posts that are, the top, uh, like our Tom, the stuff on our Tom and Jerry net that we've uh, 
Hey. Oh, he's our buddy Nick. Beef jerky time out, guys. Beef jerky, Beef jerky time. time, man. So you let Nick just walk into yeah. the room? Yeah, he's, well, he just comes he's in. Going, he's he's doing a beer delivery. Awesome. And he's got koozies on every one of them. Excellent. That's my boy. That's uh, that good job. Cute. Good job. <laughs> Cheers. Um, Cheers, man. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> there's, there's a story we behind this. We just got this. studio bombed, by the way, yeah, we did. for we, our we, listeners. We, we dared him to do that, actually. <laughs> at, at, at Cafe du Monde, I think it was, that it happened. Have a seat. Nice. We, uh, we're just glad to see you're still alive. There's a story behind this. Awesome. Yes. Well, I'm going to tell the story. So we're talking about going down rabbit hole stories, let's yeah. tell the story. This is a rabbit hole story. We, uh, we met Nick down at Tails this week and stumbled upon him late at night at Cafe Dumont and made him join our crew. And we felt like he was that red shirt that joined the hangover group. It was, <laughs> it was Leslie and I and uh, Philip DeBar from the Museum of the American Cocktail. And then uh-huh. Nick joined yeah. us. And it occurred to me about five minutes later that you joined this team really late. We don't know that well. You're going to die survive. at some point tonight. So. <laughs> so. Well, especially when we started talking about shooting the nutrients on the levee. It was a little shady kind of situation there. It's not nutrient jerky, is no. it? Uh, just yours. <laughs> Thanks for coming down. That's yeah. great. Nice. So, yeah, no, we on, on the site, there's certainly things, there, there, that we, stories we've told that are very lengthy and very to the point, like Tom and Jerry and, and some of those. And then there are other ones. Um, I remember doing a... Uh, we did a drink at David Wondrich's Tombstone cocktail mm-hmm. that was from Embodied. Oh, it's so awesome, by yeah. the way. And the story I told was about how um, uh, Larry McMurtry used to know the Beats and how his cowboy writing was influenced by his relationship with the Beats and how I think the reason he, or the reason I thought that he went on to write the screenplay for Brokeback was because of his relationship with Ginsburg and sort of trying to fulfill that relationship. So had nothing to do with the drink. Yeah. Well, At the was, end, I think I said, and it's a good drink. That's right. <laughs> well, the Arab strap was like that, too. We went into the band Bell and Sebastian, and we traced the Arab strap, and it got into the whole sexual device from the Victorian era. So, yeah, we, we yeah. totally do the Alice in Wonderland thing but at it, least half the time. But, you know, that's... I, I love that. Yeah. But that's the, the one, absolute... One of my, one of my favorites uh, is in Jaws when uh, uh, the captain of the, the boat, uh, he's talking about how, you know, like... We're all out in the water, and every time you like look around, you'd see like one of your friends get pulled down by a shark. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that that entire story? Apparently, John, the great John Milley, I mean, of action writers, John Millis was the great. The, the uh, apocryphal stories that he wrote that over the phone. That Spielberg called them up and said, "I got a couple minutes. I need to fill here, and I need just a really good story." And he like just phoned it in. And yeah. He literally phoned it in. That's Mil- the Millions rumor, so. lived in the rabbit hole, basically. This man didn't go down it. He just lived there. So, nice. no, and, but the fun of, of having the site is that, you know, we've never taken advertising. We, we have one uh, partnership, which has been with Villaroy and Bosch, just for glassware, because it doesn't influence any of our editorial decisions. And when I take sure. pictures, it's nice to have a prettier glass mm-hmm. uh, and have different things. But other than that, we have the, it's always been a, a, a free sandbox to do what we want and explore these drinks how we want and to screw up as we want to screw yeah. up. And that's kind of been the, the good thing. And I think that's kind of what got us some traction. So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, what are, what are some of, what are some of your favorite, like, I mean, when I go to the beach, I, I make sure that I, I always take like a, a little like Nalgene bottle or something like that, like with a cocktail in it. It's always simple. Sure. Maybe it's a daiquiri. I don't know. I mean, like, can't get enough daiquiris. Right. I mean, or snackeries. Well, I, I, I have to say, I remember very, very clearly, uh, we have a hillside in our backyard, and, and I have this habit of kind of going insane and taking the weeds off of it, you know, and 
just getting covered in dirt and sweat and everything. And one afternoon, he came outside with one of these big Nadine bottles filled with Pim's Cup. Man, that was awesome. And oh, it's yeah. so easy. Why you would know? you and, garden and, with water? Why right? would you garden with water? You can be slugging the pins down. And and we have a homemade recipe for it. I like to mow the lawn cat. just so I can drink a <laughs> Seriously, beer. Seriously, yeah, <laughs> with your, like, Boda bag or something, you know? So so that's a, an actual memory, a very specific one I have, for sure. Yeah, I think one, one of the challenges in L.A., we drive too much, so you can't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely no true. No go cups. The go cups don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't work quite as well. But, no. Uh, no, but we, we have traveled through, what, five states now with... Grenadine. So yeah. we're, we're doing these events where we're making uh, cocktails. We did one, the one in Boston, the one at Word uh, tonight, and we're making a cocktail called the Clipper Cocktail, which came from the old Pan Am runs mm-hmm. and from the North Pacific runs. And it was just it was something that we knew we could fly into a city if you got the two bottles we needed, three ingredients. We, yeah, we got the Grenadine. We could whip it up. It's kind of like a slightly sweet martini, uh, rum, dry vermouth, and um, weren't quite sure that we could get a Grenadine on the spot at a bookstore that you know, we liked because they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we just brought it with us. That, that filled up half of our three one one bags. Yeah. So it's so. been traveling with us in California. That's interesting. Yeah. And you know, Grenadine is something that I, I kind of stay away from as a bartender. But you're, I think that's interesting. And like, just because, like, I don't know. I'm afraid of red things. Well, the, well, yeah, but here's the thing. That's one of the reasons that the bottle kinds are so horrific. I mean, they, you yeah. know, they look like like vampire blood or something, yeah. or stage blood because of all the additives and things like that. The few companies that are good, it's a very different looking drink. You know, if you yeah. use if you use the the dyed version, the Clipper cocktail literally looks like Kool Aid. If yeah. you use homemade, it has the softest little blush, like a little baby's bottom. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what I thought. Was that an inappropriate I... <laughs> reference? Mm. No, it's just a very this is a very family soft... show. <laughs> I think not. Sir. About cocktails. <laughs> about cocktails. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. That, but I think it's really amazing. Like, in, you know, that's kind of like the the spirit, if you will, of. Of a, a book and a website like the Twelve Bottle Bar, it's like taking one ingredient and seeing what you can do with, with it. You yeah. know, I mean, like for instance, you know, like like you were saying before, honey. How many drinks have honey in them? And then like two other ingredients, right? You know, yeah. Just let's see what we can do. Let's see where we can go. And it's it's like utilitarian when you know when the the polar ice caps start melting and the, the, the water level starts rising and we have to go inland and we start getting all survivalist. I want to have this book with me. There you go. We'll, we'll be well, distilling our own booze. We'll yeah. uh, have our raw honey well, and fu- we'll be pulling citrus off the trees. <laughs> the, inter- the interesting thing is that when we talk to bartenders, it's like 12 bottles. It's just 12 bottles. How can you do that? Um, as you said earlier, they've got, you know, guys saying they have 1,200 bottles. From a, from a home perspective, Twelve bottles can seem like a lot. Yeah. You know, so yeah. most people, you know, a lot of our friends, you go to their house and they've got a bottle of you know, a liter and a half of gold Cuervo somewhere above the refrigerator in the yeah, back, yeah. you know, behind the Dixie cups. And um, <laughs> Nick does. <laughs> it's on top of his refrigerator. And that's pretty much it. So it's um, twelve seems like a lot until you actually lay it out and you show people. You know, it's like you're you're if you bought everything and we we don't tell you to buy everything. We say start with a one bottle bar, pick a spirit you like. Learn how Absolutely. to make some make sours. Make learn how to make a toddies. punch. Make grog. Things yeah. like that that are you know delicious yeah. and easy drinking and don't take a lot of work. But if you bought all twelve, it's like two hundred bucks. Yeah, on the low end, three fifty on the high what, end. Yeah. Which is like you know and, two drinks in New York. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At my bar, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and they average out to about two to three dollars dollars a cocktail. Well, you know so I, when I when I used to work. I used to work at this little spirit shop called uh, Spirit Shop called Linnell's mm-hmm. in, oh, yeah. in Red Hook, and uh, one of the things that we were challenged with as the employees there, as uh, as part of the as part of the sales team, is that 
anytime that we would introduce a spirit, we would have to do presentations on spirits or liqueurs, and we would have to, and and gladly so, do this, um, put together a cocktail sheet, like a one sheet, basically, of like everything that you can do with that bottle. So, and it was right around the time that you guys started your website, and I remember hearing about it from Linnell. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool. This is a really good resource for like what we have to do at work. So thanks. I probably ripped you guys off a few that's times. That's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> if, if it got yeah. us, per, if it got us here, that's what. That's and, yeah. and, and if you heard from Linnell, I mean, come on, couldn't come from better. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. From, from the mouth to God's ears. <laughs> it's not that we don't take inspiration. So yeah, well, we all do, I mean, that's, and that's the great thing about this. You know, you've got like so many classics in here and so many modern uh, variations of them. And the. And, the the cool thing I found too is that we were find, uh, one of the contributors to the book, Jason Scott from the Bramble in mm-hmm. Edinburgh. Uh, we just recently opened Lucky Liquor about a year or so ago in Edinburgh as well, and they're doing the whole not twelve but thirteen, and they're doing a fixed menu. And I was talking to him about it. And he said he loves the challenge. He likes the the liberation. Dude, absolutely, you're absolutely right. I, I when I'm at the bar, I love it when I, I when I have a handicap somewhere. It's mm-hmm. like all right, well here you don't ha- like. Like, like being specific about like an ingredient, and then like kind of taking these other things. Like for instance, I don't I don't have grenadine in my bar. Mm-hmm. So if I want something that's in that flavor profile, maybe I use pomegranate molasses. Sure. But then I like figure out a way to make all these different things. I love a challenge. Yeah. So our, our grenadine has it, pomegranate it has pomegranate molasses. molasses. We reduce it awesome. down. So yeah, the, one of the fun, one of the most fun <laughs> things we did. Um, it just kind of came up. There was a. Palm, pomegranate, so we're talking pomegranate, mm-hmm. had a contest, a food contest, and for bloggers to you know, do a palm, uh, pomegranate-based dinner. dinner. Right. And I figured, it, this is a cooking contest, so I'm going to enter it as a cocktail site, right? Cause nice. I, and talk I like about to do those story, kind of things. Because we created yeah. a story for the yeah. whole And you evening. start thinking about, okay, how many ways can I do this? So we were doing, so we, we took the seeds, the arrows out of them, you, you juice them, you take the pits out, and we made peanut brittle out of the arrows, the pits. We made took the, the, the white, really bitter part, and made a, a tincture out of that. We took the outside husks, dried those in the oven, and um, then used them as smoking chips to smoke a, a pork tenderloin. So, what? again, when, when yeah, you're pushed, you, you try to come up with as many crazy things as you can. So, God, I'm starving now. <laughs> and, and we gave it context because we also did the cocktails, and so we did everything historically. So we started back sort of with the Adam and Eve and the pomegranate yeah. beginning of time stuff and worked our way forward. We had a cocktail, which is in the, the Monticello is in the book, right? I think it is. I think yeah. it is. But we did a, a cocktail inspired by Jefferson called Monticello and we did a pomegranate ice cube looked like yeah. a pomegranate like a spirit ball, cube. Right? So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of cool because you know, it changes the, the profile of the drink as it dissolves yeah. which is kind of neat yeah. So. Yeah. yeah and added something to it so. I did that for a punch for I do uh, contributing stuff for Bon Appetit but I did mm-hmm. that like where I took a pomegranate and just kind of cubed it mm-hmm. all together froze that and used that as my ice oh, mold nice. And it's great because then it, yeah, it, it totally changes. It's modular. It's yeah. like a yeah. modular flavor yeah. profile. It's, it's the, it, the it's julep it. philosophy, right? Yeah. It just keeps changing, changing. So, You know what, guys? I mean, we could we could sit here in the studio forever, and I'm really glad that we've had the time that we have, but we're we're actually at the end of the show. Um, we haven't asked Nick a question yet. Yeah, yeah Nick. Yeah. He, he looks like he doesn't want to talk right now. I, I can talk. <laughs> 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 he looks tired. Uh, Did Tails hurt you? Uh, yeah. It was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I think I was out till like five before my flight at nine. On that's Monday, how you so. do it. We yeah. left. We left him at the dungeon. That's all I know. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. That's yeah. good. <laughs> I got him in the jun- in the dungeon. Yeah. We made yeah. It so we were there. Oh man. Yeah. I'm glad I missed this year. Um, 
Well, David and Leslie, thank you so much for coming in the studio Thanks today. For us. Thank you. For uh, us. You've been an absolute delight having you in the studio, and I can't wait to crack this book open more. And uh, even though, like, I'm one of those guys with 1,200 bottles in my bar, I can't wait to see what you what what other cartels are here and uh, where are you guys heading to next. So we do uh, we have Word Bookshop in Brooklyn here tonight, mm-hmm. right? At seven o'clock, we're doing a, a signing and. Again, tell, sort of talking about the book, and then we're doing the Clipper cocktail that we mentioned uh, mm-hmm. as a tasting and kind of giving the history behind that drink. Because I think if, if there was a place to drink a cocktail on a Pan Am Clipper going to, the, to Asia in the 1930s, sitting in, if, I don't know if you've ever looked at what these planes look like, but they were two couches that you would sit on. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and dining like cars. Utter luxury, whatever. right? That's where I'd want to drink yeah. a cocktail. And it was yeah. a personal cocktail. Talk, talk about a story, right? It didn't exist anywhere else. That's where you had that drink, and that was it. Yeah. So, you know. It's amazing, just yeah. like the Cooperstown cocktail. Yeah, know? and then we got to find out where we left our son. So. <laughs> He's somewhere in Minnesota. Somewhere in Minnesota, probably shaking cocktails somewhere. And then home. <laughs> yeah, and then home. Oh, great! Well, the, the book is called the Twelve Bottle Bar. It's uh, coming out. It's a lovely looking book, and I can't wait to crack it and check out what's what's in store. Um, and so check it out. You can uh, pre-order. Yeah, right yeah you can get it from you know, independent bookstores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, yeah. Urban, Outfitters. Urban Outfitters. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good fit. And, and also check out the website, Twelve Bottle Bar. Yeah, and it will um, continue changing. We're adding new drinks. We're going to be featuring bartenders. So there's going to be a lot of community. Cool, which will be fun. Awesome. Well, I, congratulations on the book and the Thank website. You. you guys have been a Thank great you. inspiration for. Home and real working bartenders. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Thank you so much for checking out heritageradionetwork.com and please go to our website to check out all the other shows and information that we have and become a member because we all are. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.